0: Here we go, everybody. It's Friday, and I am feeling good. I've got a happy Friday for me. I am pumped up. I am ready to go. Can you feel it, Dave? Oh, well, I feel something. You know it. You know this song. Come on. I do
1: know this song, yes.
0: It's Friday. It's a great day for football. That's what they say, right, Heath? Hey. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really remember this song. Come on. Bruce
1: Willis.
2: Not
3: the singer. Bruce
1: Willis singing. It's from a Bruce Willis. You yes. know who does sing this song? Bill Medley. Apparently. Which, what other song does he sing that might be a little more popular than this one? I don't know. From Dirty Dancing. Oh, okay, the great. Time of my life. Well, anyway,
0: song. Friday afternoon or morning is a great How do time I know for that? football. That is weird, Dave. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. Yeah, I'm in a great mood. You know why I'm in a great mood? Because our listeners are amazing. I was reading the five-star reviews this morning, and you guys are just crushing it, and thank you so much. It means so, so much to me. It honestly does. I appreciate it. Thank you, and I'm going to read some of your five-star review questions later today. Uh, we have a busy show. Now, the one criticism that I get the most as a host is that I hurry the guys along. So I promise... I'm going to do a lot of that today because we have not gotten to many many topics that I've wanted to get to this week. So you're going to be on somewhat of a pitch uh, a pitch count today, a little bit of a clock today. Let's get started here with three fun questions. Then we're going to talk about some rankings risers and rankings fallers, and uh, the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, they should really call. You know it what? Else. If you
2: wanted to really uh, move the podcast along, we
1: could just not talk about the Hall of Fame game or have the Friday night. <laughs> theme song for two minutes. Oh, come on. Come on. Well, listen, you've got to make a decision. I'm making
0: a decision right now. Are we
1: going to have a bunch of obscure pop culture references? I actually like the move-it-along
2: thing. I'm I'm good with the in-and-out.
0: Yeah, all right, let's do it. Three fun questions. When do you draft the Chargers running backs as of right now? Friday, August 2nd. The report yesterday that Melvin Gordon's agent requested a trade last week. When do you draft the Chargers running backs?
1: I'll look at Eckler... Uh, round six in PPR. I'll go there right now. And probably early round seven, real close to that in non-PPR. Justin Jackson, um, the gate comes off in in round 10.
2: Yeah. This is the second time we've had this question this week and you just not mentioned Melvin Gordon. And he's still a Chargers running back. (laughs) And I will take Melvin Gordon in round four. Um, And I mostly agree with what Dave said besides that. I
1: am the high guy, it looks like. I think just, I don't know if this is going to matter for fantasy, but you think about where Melvin Gordon could end up if they do trade him. I think there's three teams that make sense. I think Tampa would make sense. I think Houston would make sense. And I think Buffalo would make sense. Um, In the case of Houston and Buffalo, they can cut a running back and actually save some serious cap space that they could use to pay Melvin Gordon. Tampa Bay doesn't have much cap space, but they could come up with some. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know if I would rank Melvin as high with one of those three teams as I would if he were with the Chargers. So I'm kind of hoping that there's a there, that there's some finality to this holdout soon that gets Melvin into camp, and we can go back to taking him in round one, Eckler in round nine or ten, and Justin Jackson in round never ever.
0: And a reminder, in three games without Melvin Gordon, he missed four games, but Eckler missed one of them. In, th- in the three games Eckler played, he had 17, 18 and 17 touches. He had 5, yep. 5 and 2 catches in those games. Uh, and then Chargers just, have
1: uh yeah. Chargers have routinely had a second running back get 8, 9 or 10 touches in a game, even when Melvin Gordon's healthy.
0: Right. And the that, primary that's kind of guy the, that's part of their being right, primary guy gets the rest. Yeah, gets 17 or more. Okay, um no, question number 2, question the second. Is there anyone you're not drafting? Because of injury concerns. As in, I wouldn't
1: take him even if he fell to no. round 18? Uh, I think we should no. do that at their current ADP.
0: Yeah, yeah, at their current ADP. The, oh, the guy who comes there, to mind be a punch for me, me is, is Beckham because like he's in a group of similar wide receivers. I, I'm not going to say that's my answer, but he was sort of the inspiration for this question maybe. Uh, yeah, is anyone at their current ADP that you're like, no, too many injury concerns, not doing it?
1: Todd Gurley, right at the top for me.
2: That's that's the that's a good one. Um, I would say the one like there are several reasons, but the one that most comes to my mind is Sony Michelle. What's his ADP at these days? Is, 50? is
1: he still so, so he's fallen out of round four? He's in round five, right? Yeah, I can't I can't feel that excited about Sony Michelle in round five, but I don't think that's terrible. And you, know, I'm nervous about Dalvin Cook in general, so that's another one. His ADP
0: is top twenty. I'm not going to take him there. I'll take Dalvin. I know. No. Okay. And final question, do we have any fantasy takeaways from the Hall of Fame game? We do. I have one. I have one. I'm not going to let you guys just ghost me on that. Uh, well, Brian Hill for the Falcons had 11 carries for 57 yards, and he caught a touchdown as well. And then I went back and I looked at Brian Hill's game log from last year, and uh, he in week 16, he had eight carries for 115 yards. In week 17, he had eight carries for 30 yards. Ito Smith missed both of those games. And Tevin Coleman, in those two games without Ito Smith, week 16 and 17 for the Falcons, he had two more carries. He had 18 carries to 16 carries for Hill. And it's just like, gosh, they would, even at that point when they were down to Brian Hill, they wouldn't even give Tevin Coleman feature work. What does that mean for Devontae Freeman? Because, you know, Tevin Coleman did get pretty big work for the first three games after the Coleman after the Freeman injury, in- including the game in which Freeman got hurt. But then after that, uh, the, his last nine games that he played with Ito Smith, Coleman had 95 carries and Smith had 72. Coleman had 21 catches and Smith had 20. That is way too even of a split, and it continued with Brian Hill in Week 16 and 17. And for a guy, you know, for me, who've been very excited about Devontae Freeman, just remembering the Brian Hill thing and looking up the numbers this morning, scared me a little bit. What do you guys think? I just, like,
2: I kind of get what you're saying, and I agree that it's not going to be a situation where one guy gets 80% of the work. They've got way too many running backs for that to happen. One or two guys can get hurt, and they're still going to chop it up a little bit. Most teams chop it up a little bit. But it sounds to me what you were describing about Tevin Coleman's workload in week 16 and 17 is what we would consider feature back work. No, like no, ten, he, nine he carries eight, a game. I thought you said he had 18.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. That's all, I'm sorry. Over two games, he had 18 carries, and Hill had 16 carries. He had 10 in one okay, game and eight in the other.
1: That's splitsville.
0: Yeah, that was a hundred. Maybe
1: maybe that's them. It, it's the last two games of the season, right? Yeah. So maybe they're just evaluating Brian Hill during those games. They weren't going anywhere.
0: Yeah, but even weeks, the season seven and weeks nine. 4 through 14, I mean, Tevin Coleman, 95 carries, 21 catches. Sure. Uh, yeah. Ito Smith, 72 carries, 20 catches. That sucks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's terrible does. for fantasy.
1: It's brutal, and I, I can't help but wonder if that's just part of the mindset of the Falcons. Well, it's been that way for three years. So why would it change? Well, if they really don't like any of these running backs behind Devontae Freeman, they might just have to they might just have to risk it with Freeman. Yeah, I don't think say okay, we're we're going to have to give you 17 18 touches per game every single week cuz the guys behind you stink. Yeah. Um give but, me 14 you know,
0: catches, 3 give me 14 carries, 3 catches a week from Freeman and I'll be I'll be pretty optimistic. Do you think he'll get that?
1: Not every week.
2: I've got him for 226 carries. And 38 receptions. So I, take I don't that. know,
1: oh of course you would. yeah that's I'd a 16 that. game projection right. Well, that's
2: right? 53% of the team's rush attempts.
1: Okay. gosh, when you when you put it that way, it just seems so low. 53% mm-hmm. of, of the team's rush attempts. I, I even I would expect Devontae Freeman to get more than 53% of the team's rushing attempts. But don't don't buy into the Hall of Fame game as a reason to draft somebody. no. Just no. a general reminder, last year, Hayden Hurst caught a touchdown in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, <laughs> Javon Wims, seven catches for 89 yards. Gus Edwards had 35 yards on 10 carries in the Hall of Fame game last year.
0: Oh, that was that was pretty significant. Well, he was much better than that in the regular no, season. But, All right. uh, no, but no, guy just who averages three kidding. and
1: a half yards per carry in the Hall of Fame game, we're going to point at
0: him too laugh. much time
1: on the Hall of Fame game.
0: Yeah, 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 it's we time. have. See, now we got to move on. Today's sponsor is SeatGeek. Promo code is FFT on SeatGeek for 10 bucks off your first purchase. I was just looking the other day at uh, Miami UF tickets for the for that game in uh, less than a month, and they're way too expensive. But I was looking on SeatGeek. And also, I'm working that night because our radio show is back on August 17th, Ion Fantasy Football on CBS Sports Radio. You, if you have Sirius, you can listen to it. I think it's channel 206. It's been a while. Um, so, yeah, we'll tell you more about that as we get closer. I want to know, as uh, the preseason games are starting not counting last night Uh, who are some rankings risers and fallers over the last few weeks training camps have opened reports are out injuries holdouts all that stuff Uh, we'll remove the Chargers situation but let's start with rankings risers guys who are some guys who are on the rise well there's some pretty obvious names like Curtis Samuel we've talked
1: about on every episode for like the last week Dante Moncrief same thing uh, Kalen Balazs, I think, I don't know how much Kalen rose for, for Heath, but he's, he's rose quite a bit for me. Uh, a move that I made yesterday, I put Devin Singletary ahead of LaShawn McCoy Whoa. because I just don't want anything to do with LaShawn McCoy. I really don't think that Shady's going to be helpful for fantasy. I think at some point this year, Devin Singletary will break out and be a, a pretty significant part of D- the bills offense. You
2: think Devin Singletary is a better running back than LaShawn McCoy right now? Yeah. See I I didn't think he was that impressive in college
1: and I don't think he's How good enough he to be impressed with what he did. Well, he was thought. playing against he's high school past. players. Oh, not always. Did you watch his film I, against Oklahoma? I saw some runs against
2: Oklahoma. He's I I I have moved Evan Singletary up a little bit. I can't put him ahead of LaShawn McCoy right now cuz LaShawn McCoy is the starting running back. I just I'm in this ridiculous draft. I just took him in the 14th round of a draft. Like I don't want to take Sean McQuay. Exactly. They are in the 14th. Why round, am I taking somebody that I'm I don't going want. to take? Well, you take lots of players you don't want over do. the course of many drafts. I do. Um, it's just all about value.
3: Well, that's I interesting. I
2: not Because
0: I had a, I had an argument, not an argument. I had a, we, Jamie and I were on HQ last night before the Hall of Fame game, and we were talking about the Broncos running back news. And Jamie said he'd rather have uh, Royce Freeman at Royce Freeman's value than Philip Lindsay. And I disagreed because I don't believe in Royce Freeman. And I'm not getting Royce Freeman in the fourteenth round. If I were, yeah, I'd take him in a second. And I wouldn't be opposed to taking Royce Freeman, but I'd still rather have Lindsay. And and this falls into the rankings risers and fallers, because I would imagine that Philip Lindsey is a follower for you guys. The recent report that they the the Broncos from Yahoo, the Broncos like what they see from Royce Freeman. They want to make it a true split in the backfield. Uh, you know, I am just not sure I buy it because I think is there's a new coaching staff. Maybe they're trying to pump up Royce Freeman. Lindsey's better. He's just better. And so if they're smart, they're both going to get work, no question. But if they're smart, Philip. I wrote Lindsay's, about this. Yeah, go ahead. Like, Philip Lindsey's
2: not going to be as good as he was last year. That's just a f- matter of why fact. There have been t- 28 running backs over the last 10 years that have averaged better than five yards per carry in a season. Only one of those running backs did it again the next season.
0: Okay, on a so per-carry basis, sure, but, but I think he's, he's got not a great going chance to, be to have on
2: more per- carries he, that, well, what would determine that? The coaching staff that continues to do everything they do to tell us that they are not, do not want to give a feature workload to Philip Lindsay. They want an even split in terms of rush attempts. Lindsay, I thought, I was open to the idea that, you know, he could get 190 carries and then be, be, earn that passing game work. But when they went and signed Theo Riddick, I'm just pretty much out. I'm not going to spend a pick in the first four rounds on Philip Lindsay. I think he's fine in the fifth. He is one of my biggest fallers and probably one of the more significant fallers. Because a lot of the guys that have fallen for me, I've taken a little bit away from David Njoku. They don't seem very happy with him so far in camp. I I took a little bit away from Antonio Callaway. Um, Rashard Higgins seems to be ahead of him right now. A lot of those guys are, are lower end guys that you were taking at the end of best ball drafts or late round tight end types. Lindsay's a big name that has definitely fallen significantly.
1: Can 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 you tell me who you like better between Lindsay and Carson? Because that's the one that I'm kind of fighting with in my head right now. I, I, I Lindsey getting ten touchdowns, I think that that's out the window if Royce Freeman's healthy.
0: Ah, oh, but that's th- but like Royce Freeman split might not that be. A little good. Bit too. I, that's the thing. It's like Phillip I know he Lindsay, might not be good by, by but every he indication. Was better
2: than Philip Lindsay for eighteen years of
0: his life. No, that's and not last true.
2: Philip Lindsay. I don't know better. if you can say that, that that's,
0: either. Yeah, like Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay proved himself last year, at least in my mind. He his like the advanced metrics are really good on him. He made guys miss. He didn't like benefit from an amazing offensive line. He just had a straight up great year. If he's too small to handle a big workload, I get that. He's not going to get twenty carries a game. But I just feel like the cream will rise. And I do I also said yesterday Heath on on HQ when you know when we were talking about it, I said he's not a fourth round pick anymore you have to take him in the fifth round or later so I agree with that um, but I would rather have Philip Lindsay in the fifth round than Royce Freeman in like the seventh round because I just don't believe in Royce Freeman and even if the value's better I don't I don't believe in the player and I just think
3: Lindsay right. And, and I think player.
2: this comes a little bit back to the Corey Davis argument again and just throwing out what their value was before the season because of one year of the, in the NFL. And I I think I don't think you have to totally hold on to it and say I thought Royce Freeman was better than Philip Lindsay at the beginning of last year so I still think Royce Freeman is better, but I don't think you should just completely throw it out either. I think we need to leave open that possibility that Royce Freeman may have a better career than Philip Lindsay still.
0: Yeah, yeah, look, I I agree with your general philosophy there. I personally though, the first time I saw Royce Freeman, I said it on the podcast, I was like he looks slow. And the first time I saw yeah. Philip Lindsay, I brought him up as a sleeper. We had an emailer who brought it up as well. I brought up that email, mm. so I, I kind of always believed in Philip Lindsay and not so much in Royce Freeman. I just think Lindsay's better suited for the NFL. The other thing, I the email about,
2: made him a believer in, in Philip Lindsay. The other thing I will say about that argument is I I don't believe you have to spend a seventh round pick on Royce Freeman. I got him in the ninth or tenth yesterday. Right. His ADP right now is still tenth round. So I think we're talking about the difference between Philip Lindsay in the fifth and Royce Freeman in the ninth or tenth.
1: And I I think I still technically have Lindsay as a top 50 pick. I don't know if that means that I'm comfortable taking him in late round four. But it's it's something that I might have to stick to because I do like the talent. And I also don't think there's going to be a lot of games where the Denver Broncos are going to be grinding the clock in the fourth quarter. And if that's the case I think Lindsey's going to be on the field more in passing situations.
0: Well that's like the Riddick thing I, kills Theo Riddick. It too. The Riddick, I don't I, hate think, the Riddick
1: I don't think Riddick. I think you're overvaluing Theo Riddick. I think he's there to replace Devontae Booker. Who got right that 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 was when I wanted Frieden Frieden was out. I wanted Philip
2: Lindsey to replace Devonte
1: Booker. Right. Devonte Booker got way
2: too many targets last year
1: and he still might. We got to see what Theo Riddick looks like in and uh, acclimates himself to in this Broncos offense, so I, I think there's still reason for optimism in Philip Lindsay. I don't know what you haven't projected for, but if you if you ballpark him at 1,207, 1,200 total yards and seven touchdowns, I I think you'll be I think he'll be close to that provided he plays 14 plus games.
0: Okay, let's move on and talk more about risers and fallers here, because uh, Lindsay's obviously a faller. Uh, is Nikhil Harry a faller? Patriots rookie yes, wide receiver. He has to be. And he is is, is Hunter Renfro, the San Diego Padres outfielder slash Oakland Raiders wide receiver, a is he rising ahead of Nikhil Harry in terms of rookie uh, rookie wide receivers? No, no,
1: no. I I I get that Hunter Renfro is is playing great in the slot and might have the slot role in Oakland, um. But I would still rather spend the late round pick on Nikhil Harry. Um, on the hope that he can turn things around in, in training camp. There, there's, there are three slot receivers that have gotten a lot of attention in the first week of training camp. is one of them. Trent Taylor in San Francisco is another one. Trey Quinn in Washington is a third. It sounds to me like those three are going to be late-round PPR, maybe deep-league PPR late-round targets.
2: I have moved Renfro up and Harry down. Renfro's eleven points behind Harry now in my PPR projections. I think there's a there's a chance that we're like two or three weeks from now, and the starting wide receivers in New England still look like they're Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett, Maurice Harris. Hmm. And we have to strongly consider the fact that Hunter Renfro is a better pick than Nikhil Harry, but I'm not ready to, to decide that right now.
0: Well, you drafted Maurice Harris. Or Dorset. Not yet. He's, not yet. No, that they're They're right
1: alongside the deep PPR, why not? I'm in a
2: 22-round draft draft right now. It's a slow draft. I will probably. Yes. I probably will. Great example. But if I'm going 15 rounds, there's going to be better receivers. And I'd rather have Maurice Harris than Antonio Callaway right now.
0: Two quick things I don't have it ranked
1: that way, but we're heading that way, aren't we?
0: Uh, DK Metcalf or Nikhil Harry?
1: I still have Harry ranked a little bit higher than Metcalf. Yep, Harry over Metcalf.
0: And one more slot I, receiver that's gotten a, a little bit of a... There was a good report from DetroitLions.com on Danny Amendola that he has a nice rapport with Matthew Stafford. Yes. Remember, Golden right. Tate caught 90 or more passes, four straight seasons, and then last year in seven games with the Lions, he was on pace for 101 catches. So I don't, I'm don't. i going to take the under on 90 catches for Amendola, but how does he look with, with Trey Quinn and uh, who are the other slot receivers and Hunter Renfro and uh, Trent Taylor and whatnot?
1: I I would imagine that fantasy managers would gravitate toward Amendola before the other names of guys who are unproven. A, because they've heard of Amendola before. B, because they know what Golden Tate did in that Lions offense.
0: Sure. Okay. Any other interesting—we've talked a lot about late-round guys. Any other mid- or early-round guys that are rising or falling for you?
1: Uh, Most of my risers have come in the round-eight-plus range. I don't know if I've got any that are shooting up or or shooting down. Uh, Karrion Johnson is one that is an obvious early rounder that we've talked about a lot. He rose, yeah. John Um, Brown's rising. Right. So that's one that I would put in the round eight plus spin. Hearing really good things about him in Buffalo. Jordan Reed's healthy. Every reporter in Washington is saying that he looks exposed. I'm about ready to move him ahead of Jordan uh, ahead of Eric Ebron in PPR. Uh, No, neither am I. No, I am. You are? Yeah. See, I'm not there yet, <laughs> uh, and Ebron's banged up right now, so that's that's interesting that you would do that. Uh, Delaney Walker also seems to be healthy. A um, couple of three rookies, Boykin and Keyshawn Johnson in Arizona, Dexter Williams in Green Bay. Are you going to take Dexter Williams in your 22 round draft?
2: Uh, I took Dexter
1: Williams in our 15 round draft, the experts draft
2: two days right. two days ago. Yeah, I took him in the very last round.
1: I like the fit in Green Bay for him. He's he is a he is a zone running type of running back. He's a good fit there.
0: Okay. And I think that one guy who in our minds has fallen a lot that I think maybe we've got a little overboard on is Jarvis Landry. I more or less have no interest in him in a non PPR league, but I feel like all we've done is dump on Jarvis Landry. It gets to the point where he's got, like, like I, I wouldn't take John Brown over Jarvis Landry. Would you? I haven't. Dra-
2: nope. I haven't drafted him, but I also haven't moved him since the start of camp. So I, that's why I didn't call him a faller.
0: Sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just it was it kind of felt to me like he's got a lot of negative momentum. I just want to okay, look up so Jarvis Landry's ADP real quick. Let me
1: let me ask you it this: sixty seventh overall, Curtis Samuel yeah, has been right. a hot name with videos on social media and great quotes from his offensive coordinator. And we haven't heard boo about Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. Who are you drafting first between Samuel and Landry?
0: I would take Samuel in a non PPR league. I would take Landry in half or full PPR. How about you? I'll take Landry in both, Um, and that's
2: not the discussion that the drafters are having right now. And you look at Landry's ADP, he's being taken ahead of Mike Williams, ahead of Tyler Boyd, ahead of DJ Moore, ahead of Robbie Anderson, ahead of Dante Pettis, ahead of Christian Kirk, ahead of Sammy Watkins, ahead of Allen Robinson, ahead of D.D. Westbrook. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, Yeah. I'm taking him ahead of
2: D.D. We can keep dumping on Jarvis Landry was my point.
0: A little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see that. Look, it's a good—it's a, it's a nice spot for wide receivers. There are some pretty good values there. All right. We got some news and notes, uh, including a note on Ezekiel Elliott. We got Dave's schedule analysis. Adam makes three proclamations, and Dave and Heath tell him how they feel about his three proclamations. I'll, uh, during the break, I'll work on how to say the word proclamations. We're coming right back on Fantasy Football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Your news and notes, and later your emails at at cbsi.com. Oh, and we're doing some regulating today. Get excited. Jerry Jones is confident about signing Ezekiel Elliott to an extension, and I'm not going to talk about this anymore. I just will tell you that in six games without Ezekiel Elliott, Alfred Morris had 99 carries for 430 30 yards and a touchdown, but he also uh, gave uh, Rod Smith at 43 carries and four rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown, so it was kind of annoying. But Alfred Morris is back on the team. Ben Roethlisberger says he loves football again. Guys, I never stopped loving football. What's up with that, Big Ben?
1: I don't know what that means. I, I don't know how to interpret that.
2: Well, then you know exactly what that means. Yeah. He's, he's shooting shots. He's shooting, try, trying to make see here, make somebody in Oakland hear that. He's taking shots. Well, what, he loves, but what's the shot? that He loves that, football again because he doesn't A-B? have to deal with the drama yeah. with Antonio Brown. Yeah, that's how okay. that's how I I'm not it. saying I'm on Ben's side or agree with him. I'm just I mean, saying that's
1: what he's saying. Or is he saying that A B doesn't love football and I think he's why. just saying it's more
2: fun to come to work. He he was going to work with somebody
1: that was he didn't get along with,
2: and that hey. person's not there anymore, and so he loves it.
0: Heath, when I tell you that I'm not on a show, like you, you love, you're like, oh, I can't wait to go to work. I today. get
2: super <laughs> excited. Yeah, I'm like, if you were gone and moved to Oakland, I'd be like, man, I love podcasting again. Yeah, and I'd love oh, the weather. So mean.
1: So that's uh, okay. <laughs> no, you are uh, not It's not that great year round. Uh, Roethlisberger's ADP is 85th overall. It's still way too high for me.
2: Yeah
1: without a B we've got to look at it in terms of what quarterback he is overall, not
2: where, because every quarterback is going way too. He's still top 12 and he should be.
0: He's number eight for me. (laughs) He's the high guy in Roethlisberger, uh, two, two items on the jets backfield. Really? Uh, Le'Veon bell said he wanted to apologize to fantasy owners or he wanted No, he wanted to tell fantasy owners last year that he wasn't going to play. He already apologized. And they signed Ryan Khalil. The Jets signed center Ryan Khalil to a one year eight point four million dollar deal. He was retired. He's a, a you know, former stud, but can't be a bad thing for Le'Veon Bell.
1: No, it can't be. I, I think Ryan Khalil is an upgrade in terms of intelligence and experience on that offensive line. I, I think it's a mistake to expect him to be as good as he was even two or three years ago. I don't think he's I don't think he's quite as he I don't think he's quite the same type of lineman as he was. But right. if if it makes you feel better about drafting Le'Veon Bell, go ahead. Le'Veon was not happy when he was told that he wasn't a first round pick by us. Brian McFadden was just a Jets camp. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Brian McFadden talked to Le'Veon Bell and he he told Le'Veon Bell that we don't have him as a first round pick, and Le'Veon did not like that.
0: <laughs> okay, and just a few more items here. Cam Newton's still not participating in drills, so Again, Monday's our quarterbacks preview, Tuesday tight ends, and then we'll do running backs as well, either Wednesday and Thursday or Thursday and Friday. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, like you heard me talk about Cam yesterday, we're excited about Cam, but still there's some progress that needs to be made with that arm. Cleveland wide receiver Antonio Callaway reported to camp out of shape. That's why Heath just mentioned Callaway as a faller. And Jacksonville rookie linebacker Quincy Williams is out four to six weeks with a torn meniscus. But Yannick Ngakwe is expected to report by August 6th. Dave, we got a lot of questions about schedule strength and how much it means in fantasy. You have an article published. I'm giving you five minutes on this topic, Dave. So keep that in mind. Um, okay. What would you like to tell people and, and tease your article? Because you know, if you don't, if people want more than five minutes of analysis, please read the story. Uh, what would you like to tell people about schedules this year? Who's got the good ones, the bad ones, and whatnot?
1: Well, I the the story is a full breakdown of what I think each team's opposing defenses look like from week to week, basically graded out the defensive lines, linebackers, secondary, pass rush. Um, I considered depth, of course, because there's going to be injuries along the way. Coaching also mattered. Graded every single one of these defensive elements. Um, came up with a total number, applied it to the NFL schedule, added added some other Weeks in there for teams that had to go on the road three games in a row or had to play an opponent coming off of a bye. things that put a team at a disadvantage and basically came up with a ranking for who's got the best and worst schedules across the national football league. And I also broke it down for the first four weeks of the season because I just, I don't think it's worth it to look at week 15 and 16 and say, okay, I'm looking for a guy that's going to have um, a, a, a real easy schedule. Then when I'm playing for the fantasy championship that's not worth planning ahead for. It's worth planning ahead for the early part of the year, finding teams that have early schedules early on. Um, teams that I think have good run schedules early in twenty nineteen. Carolina is a top five team, Pittsburgh is a top five team, the 49ers are a top five team, the Browns are a top five team, and the Bengals are a top five team. A lot of good running backs in that group. Top five teams that I think have great passing schedules in twenty nineteen. The Cardinals take on a lot of teams with pass defenses that I don't think are are, are really that great. Panthers are in the top five there, too. They've got a really good schedule. The Jets, the Eagles are in there, and the Patriots, because they play in the AFC East. They're going to take on the Dolphins and the Bills and the Jets. Those are three teams with—Bills' secondary isn't really that bad, but the other two teams are really bad. They've got the top-ranked pass defense— over the course of the season. No, what sorry, the no, they have the
0: pass rank top rank pass offense. Just clarify. Possible.
1: Well, it's not it's not the offense. It's They've the got schedule. the schedule. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I might have misspoke a little bit there. Um So did I. <laughs> and there there are some changes in the first 4 weeks if we're just drilling in to the first 4 weeks of the season, uh Ravens, Panthers, Bills, Cowboys, Seahawks have great early season run schedules. So just an idea Mark Ingram is should be somebody that you're going to start. You'll have plans on starting Mark Ingram every week, but I think he can get you off to a hot start. And maybe if Buffalo, whichever running back they decide on to be their starter, maybe there's an opportunity there for that player to get off to help your fantasy team get off to a good start. Top five uh, schedules for the first four weeks of the season. Cowboys are number one, both run and pass. I think Dak's going to get off to a real good start. Same thing with Amari Cooper. The Chargers are in there. Patriots are in there. Giants actually ranked out as having a good um, early season schedule for their offense. And so do the 49ers. 49ers week yeah, one in the Bay. Yeah, that's, that's one right there. I, I, I hate that they've got back-to-back road games. To start the year, and I hate that they have a week four bye. That kind of works against them.
0: Yeah, but, but like a week Tampa one Bay, a week one road game is really not a big deal. That's not,
1: but at Tampa Bay and at Cincinnati for a team that's traveling west to east kind of sucks. Maybe, and but only for one of those Pittsburgh games. At home in week three.
0: Oh man, I love it. I love it. That's a great start for Garoppolo. Because you're when a Garoppolo happened, guy. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Garoppolo bonus
2: week one. The most interesting start is Arizona. And it, I don't know what to make of it just because it's, they've got a lot of kind of question marks on their schedule. They start off against a lions defense that we think is improved up front. They're, they're should improved. definitely be good against the run. They have at least one very good corner. They've got a defensive minded head coach. Then they go to the East coast all the way to the East coast for a one o'clock game at Baltimore, a defense that lost a lot from last year, but has the coaching and has Earl Thomas Scares me just a little bit. Then they get Carolina, who has an awesome front seven, and Seattle, who's always good defensively, but we don't know because they also lost a lot of pieces. That's a really interesting start. So
1: Seattle is one of those defenses that I don't have graded highly against the pass. I'm I'm worried about where their pass rush is going to come from, and I'm worried that their secondary... uh, It's not the Legion of Boom anymore. It's going to be more like the legion of duds. Well, other linebackers are the strength. Of I mocked Seattle's
2: defense a lot before last season. Cause they had lost a lot of pieces going into last year, but
1: they still had some semblance of a pass rush. It, they did. Like they, they still had some pieces there that helped their unit play. Well there, it, it would take a master stroke by Pete Carroll for them to be a dominant pass defense again this
3: year.
0: All right. Well, yeah, I just wrote down in my notes, David Johnson's first three games could be tough, but it looks great after that. Detroit, add Baltimore and Carolina. Carolina does not have Thomas Davis anymore. He's always been kind of a key to their run defense. But they uh, did add Gerald McCoy. Um, but th- when you have a guy who catches a lot of passes, a running back who catches a lot of passes, that's why we love it so much. Then the matchups don't matter quite as much. And then uh, we're all, we passed our five minutes here, so let's just do like your quick thoughts on Green Bay. At Chicago, Minnesota, Denver, Philadelphia, at Dallas, Detroit. That is just not fair Thanks. to start. And the season. when they play
1: Detroit, they're they're catching the Lions as they come off of a bye, so the Lions will be rested for that game in Week Six. They've got the uh, they rank dead last in projected strength of schedule both for the first four weeks of the season and for the year. Uh, they rank dead last first four weeks of the season uh, in passing terms. I don't know if this is going to stop anybody from drafting Aaron Rodgers or Devontae Adams. And, and I don't know if this information should be the the backbone of your draft strategy. I, I tend to use this stuff as tiebreakers more than anything else. But, yeah, you, you see that early slate of teams that Aaron Jones is going to run into, and you know that he's got a hamstring injury on top of it. And you know that Packers running backs just in general under Aaron Rodgers do not consistently put up great numbers. I'm, I'm pretty much at the point where I'm ready to walk away from Aaron Jones as a um, top 30 fantasy pick.
0: They put up great numbers per touch, I think, but they don't feature one guy. They haven't featured one guy since Lacey, probably. Uh, that's If you, if, out, if out if you can head. give
1: me one second, I can give you the stats on it, and that'll blow your mind on just how bad Packers running backs have been. Are you ready for this? Yeah, go for it. All right, so let's do a little trivia, if you don't mind. Heath, you can participate as well. Oh, Everybody at, uh, at sure. home or at the gym or on your commute, play along. Aaron Rodgers has been a starting quarterback for 11 years. How many times in those 11 years has a Packers running back, one Packers running back, had at least 200 carries? Everybody get your get Four your times. Guess. Adam, you're correct. It's four times.
0: I'm so good at guessing Dave's trip. I look really good. I'm always closer or spot on.
1: Have I sent this to you? Is no. that why you no, know this? No, these? no, no.
0: Okay. All
1: right. Question number two. Eleven years, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Packers. How many times in those eleven years has a running back totaled over a thousand yards? Not run for a thousand yards, totaled over a thousand yards. Get your number ready.
0: Uh three. Five.
1: Adam's right again. It's yes. Five. Okay. How many running backs in the last eleven years have had seven or more touchdowns with Aaron Rodgers? Three. Total touchdowns? Total touchdowns. Yes, yeah, six. Four. Damn. And to Aaron Jones' credit, he's one of them. He had nine last
0: year. All right, Dave, we got to wrap it up. So, uh, cool. Your Point, point taken. Um, all right, Adam makes three proclamations, and Dave and Heath tell him how they feel about his three proclamations. Proclamation number one, Mark Ingram is going to be a beast, and he should be going at the end of round three, not the end of round four in a 12-team league as he currently is.
1: I disagreed. It is hard to say that about a 29-year-old running back. I know he's not... A typical twenty nine year old running back. Um I I wonder if he's got close to as many touches as Lamar Miller has. But I'm I'm not there with Mark Ingram. You could talk me into late round four, but late round three, I, I just think that there are too many other players I'd rather have. Yeah, but I yeah, I
2: don't know that he necessarily has a big increase um over his career high in rush attempts, which is two hundred and thirty. Oh God!
0: Um, Give me 230 carries, and Mark Ingram is going to be amazing. Gus Edwards averaged 5.3 ca- yards per carry last year. They're going to run the ball yeah, so well, right? I don't, I don't think saying Gus Edwards averaged
2: 5.3 yards per carry last year means that Mark Ingram is going to average 5.3 yards no, per carry. Four point
0: seven, and he's going to be awesome, and he's going to score touchdowns. All right, all I right, think that, he'll be next. good. Uh, fine, they disagree with me. Uh, his ADP is about 46 or something like that. Next one. Mike Davis is the most underrated player in fantasy right now. Bears running back Mike Davis outside the top 200 in average draft position. I think you're probably
2: right on that one because Mike Davis is going to have really good fantasy value if there is an injury to either David Montgomery or Tariq Cohen. And there is still maybe a 30 to 35 percent chance that Mike Davis is just more trusted than David Montgomery. When we get to week
1: one, I everything I've read out of Chicago and heard out of Chicago is that the the front office and coaching staff love Montgomery. They love his physicality. They like that. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. They feel like they've upgraded on Jordan Howard and he's going to be given the opportunity to be the lead back in Chicago. Cohen is probably going to be in line for around 10 touches per game Davis is going to be below that. I bet there's going to be some games where Davis only gets two or three touches per game. I I, I like how about this, Adam? If I draft David Montgomery, it's going to take a pretty decent pick to get him. Spending my last pick on Mike Davis as a handcuff is absolutely the way to go, Mm -hmm. because I don't think this coaching staff wants to give Tariq Cohen 15, 18 touches per game if they don't
0: have to. All right. And then my final proclamation The Marquez-Valdez-Scantling hype has now made Geronimo Allison one of the best draft day bargains. Allison outside the top 90 now in average draft position outside the top 100 on CBS.
1: I'm with you on that one 100%. I'm glad that MVS is developing some chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. That'll matter. But Allison's been developing chemistry with Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years now. And I love his style in the slot. A tall, shifty receiver who can take advantage of matchups in the middle of the field and then make a play after the catch. I'm 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 excited to draft Allison round eight nine. Yeah, I
2: I don't think well, his ADP is ninety two on fantasy football calculator. Mm-hmm. That's that's round eight. That doesn't make him a very good value.
3: I would have I, taken him I've earlier got, than like, that. Like
2: I don't necessarily disagree that I would like to draft him in round eight or nine. I think I kind of agree with that assessment, but I've got him at pick one hundred in my top two hundred. Yep. So I don't think his an ADP of ninety two makes him one of the best values.
1: I'm you're, going to have to disagree. You're closer to CBS's current ADP. He's currently at one eleven point six on our site. There there are a lot better values than that. All right. Then let's uh well, worry we'll take a break, is on guys. FF Calc.
0: Let's take a break. Uh, We're going to come back. Heath wants to talk about his 0RB team, which he loved. Turned out really well. That's up next on Fantasy Football Today. Also, your five-star reviews and Fantasy Regulators. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your
1: podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, TaylorBrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T A I L O R B R A N D S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right, Heath. Zero
0: R B. It's not dead, apparently. It, oh, it's not dead. I, I wrote I wrote that
2: article earlier this week and immediately got some feedback that it's always been dead ever since it was ever conceived, and <laughs> it's never actually worked for anyone, which is not true, but I appreciated the feedback. I am in the, uh, uh, the Razz Bowl draft. Chris Towers is also in this, another one of these big uh, big drafts, and I started with the 10th pick. It's a PPR league. And it's probably my favorite zero running back team I've ever drafted. How
0: many uh, wide receivers are you starting? I start my first five picks. No, no, I'm sorry. The the roster setup. Is it two receiver league, three receivers, Three wide
2: receivers and two flexes. Okay.
0: Oh, wow. And I started my draft
2: with Juju at the 10th pick. Tyreek Hill coming back in the second round. Zach Ertz with the 10th pick in the third round. Robert Woods coming back and Calvin Ridley with the 10th pick in the 5th round. Juju, Tyreek, Woods, Ridley, and Ertz. Phenomenal. In love. And then, my running backs weren't even as bad as I was afraid they were going to be. I got Tevin Coleman in the second with the 3rd pick of round 6, which is relatively close to what his ADP is. I know he was one of Dave's breakouts. I expect him to be the best running back in San Francisco, and that's been pretty good in fantasy over the last couple of years. Rashad Penny came back to me in round seven. He's more of an upside guy that I'm targeting with my zero running back builds that I think he can take the job from Carson at some point. And if Carson gets hurt, he's got immense upside. I took a floor pick next with Latavius Murray. I anticipate he's going to score seven or eight touchdowns this season. He's a very good flex. It's funny, Mark Ingram had this role for the last two years, and he was a fourth or fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Now Latavius Murray is an eighth round pick in probably a similar role. I took Adam's favorite running back after Latavius Murray. I took Royce Freeman
0: in the ninth round. I would take. Look, in- I would take him in the ninth round too. I would absolutely. Yep, the yeah. tenth pick of the ninth round.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Dion Dion Lewis coming back around in the 10th round. And then in the 11th round, I got Matt Breida. I then took two quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger and Lamar Jackson, and then took Lamar Jackson or Lashawn McCoy in the 14th round. So my running backs are Tevin Coleman, Rashad Penny, Latavius Murray, Royce Freeman, Dion Lewis, Matt Breida, and LaShawn McCoy. If I don't have two starting running backs out of that group, then I'll agree with something Adam said. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's that's the poster for 0 RB. That's, that's it. Pretty good. Yeah, I like that. That's exactly what you're shooting for if you're going for waiting on a running back.
0: Here's the thing. I think you
1: got, I think you did get a little bit lucky with some of those running back picks though. They're all basically right around their ADP though.
0: Where's Well, well Coleman, like Tevin Coleman, I think if right. you're going 0 RB right now, Tevin Coleman should be the centerpiece of your strategy. But I that was exactly what I wrote in my article. Oh, yeah. But the problem with it, though, is that I suspect Tevin Coleman is going to be one of the biggest draft risers. Like, if I'm just predicting the future three weeks from now, when we're talking, Coleman's ADP is going to go up at least around that's just a guess. Right now, I think it's great value. I think he's going to kind of separate himself, and he's going to end up he's early round six
1: on
2: CBS. I got him at pick 63. His CBS ADP is 62. 62.
0: Yep, yeah. So, I mean, it's a great. But, but if you don't take Coleman there, you know, we talked about it yesterday, the two guys that, that sort of go back-to-back, Coleman and Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller might be your—like, you might go Lamar Miller, Deontay Foreman instead of Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, or something like that. You have to go a little yes. earlier on Foreman. Um, do you feel like Coleman, Penny, Latavius, Royce Freeman, Deion Lewis, Lashawn McCoy, Matt Breida, do you feel like you have upside with those running backs or just like, you know, RB2s? I think I'm going to
2: have two top 20 20 running backs, most likely. Two top 24 running backs, for sure, out of that group. I don't anticipate I'm going to have a top 12 running back out of the group. So, no, there's not a lot of upside. But I have four of my top 22 wide receivers and my number two tight end. So I've got the upside on the roster at those positions. I, I don't need too much upside at running back. I just need guys
1: that aren't going to kill me. Yeah. Do you? It, it's it's full PPR. Yeah. I mean, that to me that's qualification number one to do zero RB. I'm not doing zero RB in a non PPR. I did it in our pick by pick series, and, and I didn't really hate
2: it. The whole thing you have, I think that you have to realize is, when you do that in non PPR, the wide receivers that like I got Julio Jones and Michael Thomas mm-hmm. from the tenth spot and are to start in our non PPR. And then Robert Woods a little bit later, but I, I think it works because you're going to get better wide receivers later. Who are your running backs? Uh, Philip Lindsay, Lindsey Tevin Coleman, Latavius Murray, Deion Lewis, Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, Dexter Williams.
1: Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd rather have I'd, I'd rather have it all done in a full PPR. So I, I'm not even considering zero RB unless the catches count, and yeah. that's why I like your zero RB team in the Ras Bowl so much. Right is because you've got so many guys. The, the receivers just get such a great boost compared to the majority of running backs that are out there that it, it makes sense mm-hmm. to try zero RB. The only
2: thing I would say is I don't do this if you have a pick in the first four picks. You're going to take a running back there. But you can do kind of a modified version, and that can be your only running back for the first yes. six rounds,
1: and you can have a great team. And I've I've actually done that in a lot of my leagues the last few years. I don't know what you call that. The one RB strategy. <laughs> but it, I, I, think I like you do something like that. You're yeah. but you've got your cornerstone at running back. You're going to collect a bunch of good receivers that are going to catch a lot of passes and be good starters for your team. And then you're just you're making the weak spot of your lineup. Your number two running back. And you're just going to shuffle through until you find somebody you like. Almost like streaming the number two running back. If I could start
0: my team with. Saquon Barkley top four running back. And then Keenan Allen, T.Y. Hilton, and then Mark Ingram, O.J. Howard. I know that's not one R.B. or 0. That's okay, all right, fine. Right. So well, that's Get how right, I, that's Ingram, how I would put do in it. another receiver. That's how I right. would do it. But if that were feeling. Calvin Ridley and O.J. Howard, um, and then load up on running back after that, I'd sure. be pretty, I'd be pretty happy. And one thing I have noticed from a lot of the drafts we've done because we've started to do more three wide receiver P.P.R. leagues, including or three wide receiver mock drafts, half P.P.R., full P.P.R., including three wide receivers plus a flex. As soon as you start three receivers, as soon as you get to three receivers and a flex, especially that's like the running backs just fall. Like you're going to get great value there. So I'm, I'm interested to know how a zero RB team would look in a 12 team league with two running backs, two wide receivers and a flex might be a little trickier there. As soon as you add that third receiver though, it gets easier. All right. Here are uh, some of the questions from the people who left us five star reviews. And thank you so much from Zach. What is your opinion? Of the biggest difference in changing a draft strategy, moving from a ten-team league to a twelve-team league (PPR).
2: You have to draft more more players. The draft's going to take a little longer. <laughs> uh, wow! It's uh, I am. It's weird because I'm actually more likely to take an elite quarterback in a ten-team
1: league than I am in a twelve-team. Yep, and same. I, you could explain why if you want to, but to me it's because everybody's going to have a great quarterback. You want one that's going to be at the top of the top. So that's that's easier to try and fulfill in a 10-team league when the draft rounds are shorter and the quality of players lasts a little bit longer than they would in a 12-team league. You're getting two extra players per round falling in a 10-team snake draft. Uh-huh. I also, I, I, You could also apply the same thing to tight end, but you're going to do that in a 12-team league anyway. You know that top tight ends are, are going to be valuable. I, I don't think you you reach for them necessarily in a 10-team league, but maybe you you try and target them close to their ADP. Maybe in the case of Zach Ertz a little bit sooner.
2: I would also say in a 12-team league, like in a 10-team league that you've been playing in, you don't have to worry about floor at all. It doesn't matter. Um, in a 12-team league, you've
0: got to consider it. You need a little bit of safety on your team. All right, next question. I don't have names for some of these questions because, you know, it's just like the the Apple ID when I'm looking on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I think you should just read the Apple ID. Nah, it's gone now. Sorry. Uh, in an auction... Well, they're not in my notes. In an auction, do you always nominate who you don't want or do you, do you try to get a read on value like nominating Kelsey to see what an elite tight end goes for? I mostly
1: just nominate who I don't want. I'm going to nominate who I don't want my first two or three nominations and then I'm going to nominate players that I think the the managers with the most money would be interested in. Hmm. So I, I get into a laser-type focus during an auction, and when there's somebody who's patient and they've got a lot of shekels left to spend, I wanna, I'm going to look at their roster. I'm going to say, oh, they need a quarterback. Well, the best quarterback that hasn't been nominated yet is Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to nominate Deshaun Watson to try and trigger that manager to spend some of his dough. There's also the strategy that Jamie uses, which is his first nomination is going to be the top DST, and it's going to be for a buck. And if he gets them for a buck, he's happy. And if someone else bids two or even three on a DST, he's happy then too because somebody else is spending money. It's just they're only spending two or three. I want the manager to spend five to 30 in the case of a top running back if they need a running
0: back. Next up, this is not a question, but a fun review I wanted to read from Seth in York, Pennsylvania. The Fantasy Football Football Today podcast is the best one around. To find a better one would be as difficult as finding a Thanksgiving jazz CD anywhere else but a Starbucks. First, you have Adam, the host of the show. He's the uber-nice guy of the group, the kind of guy who would feel sad for seedless watermelons because what if they wanted babies? He's always coming up with creative topics and games to spark debates. Next, you have Jamie whose advice sets my mind at ease when it comes to difficult decisions. I just close my eyes and imagine I'm being carried to a fantasy football championship in a kangaroo's pouch while breathing in the sweet dewy air made from unicorn's breath. Then there's Dave, (laughs) geography whiz and pizza connoisseur. He often offers a different take on topics for a nice mix and is always at the ready to defend his, his views. Finally, you have Heath, who I imagine his breath is the perfect combination of old Milwaukee and little Debbie snack cakes. He supports his views very well. Seth, do you even know me? Do you even know me, Seth? First off, I
2: I did drink a lot of Old Milwaukee in college when you could buy a case for $6. I might have to go to the ER. But I am a craft beer connoisseur, Seth. And I am definitely the least likely person on this podcast to have their breath smell like Little Debbie snack
1: cakes.
0: I don't know what those are. Who's the
1: most likely? Who's What's most it? likely to have a little, that'd be snack cake breath.
2: I I think everybody beer.
1: else can be a tie for first, but I'm last. Yeah, your breath yeah. is going to smell like fancy beer and barbecue.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I uh, had barbecue last night. It was great. Sony Michelle in the eighth or Chris, Chris Godwin in the 10th PPR? Godwin. Godwin. I'd go Godwin. Is the Hawkinson oh. hype the real deal? The beat writers are loving Hawkinson.
1: Uh, Long term, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We just had somebody ask us before we went on the air today. Who do you like better, Fant or Hawkinson? I like Fant better in seasonal, and Hawkinson better. I'll take Hawkinson uh, both in the in the long term. I think Hawkinson's a future Pro Bowler. I think he's I think he's really really good. I just don't see him getting more than fifty five, seven hundred and five. That'd
2: be a fantastic which, year for a rookie and top twelve.
1: Uh, it might be top twelve. Oh, I was yeah.
0: much more bullish on him a month and a half ago. Half PPR league, Mark Ingram in the seventh or DJ Moore in the ninth? DJ, give me more.
1: It's more, especially if you can keep him for more than one year. If this is just a one year deal, I might lean toward Ingram. I'd take Ingram
0: personally, but I didn't really get a chance to, to defend my Ingram take, uh, but I will next week on the running backs preview. Let's regulate. It's time. Mm. <laughs> All right, this is from Andrew. Dear Squanchy Bird Person, Jerry and Noob Noob. I don't know. I'll look it up. We're in the eighth year of a Keeper League. Keeper rules state that you can keep up to three players at a... and uh, at um Sorry. Keeper Leagues uh, state you can keep up to three players at a two-round price or keep one player who was drafted in the first three rounds of last season as your first pick. We've always chosen draft spots first. Then announce the keepers before a firm deadline. But recently, some managers have been asking, why don't we declare keepers before choosing the draft order? I see pros and cons on both sides. Should we adjust the rule?
1: It's a little more hardcore if you uh, declare the keepers before the draft order, because then you can't use that draft order to your advantage when picking your keepers. Well, I would like, I would rather know
2: who's going to be available when I pick where I'm going to draft. And, and, strategize, yeah, I can wait until the seventh pick. There's seven good players, and then I get a better pick in round two. So, yeah, I would definitely, I mean, first off, the answer to should we adjust this is you should have a vote, and whichever side gets the most votes is what you should do. But I would suggest choosing announcing your keepers before choosing your draft position.
1: If, if you guys are really into fantasy and you love this league and you want it to be tough, you, you declare the keepers before you figure out the draft order.
0: All right, let's consider that one regulated. Next up, this is from Donald Welsheimer Third. What a regal name that is. Dear Peterson, Gonzalez, Wilson, and Balboa.
1: I bet Welshimer doesn't drink Old Milwaukee.
0: <laughs> no way. Also, I had no idea what Old Milwaukee was. Uh, uh. The Beasts. Oh, these are Adrians. Adrian the- oh, Milwaukee's best is Beasts. That's what I drink. Come on, Milwaukee. beer guy.
1: You got to know this. That's not hardly beer. Did you ever drink King Cobra? No. All right, guys. We, we drank a lot of that in college. You can ask your brother about it,
0: Adam. Peterson, Gonzalez, Wilson, and Balboa are Adrian's. My 40th birthday and my 18th anniversary fantasy football draft both take place this Sunday. In the past, I've held my draft on the weekend after week three of the preseason. However, considering i coming up on two pretty big milestones, his birthday and the 18th anniversary of the football draft, I moved the draft up a couple weeks to coincide with my 40th birthday. A few of my league mates have accused me of Bush Leaguery for holding the draft that early. Last year, Bell bit a few owners in the butt with his holdout. Now we have Zeke and Gordon threatening to do the same thing. Given all these facts, factors, and circumstances, when is it too early to draft? And when do you like to draft for your most important leagues? And am I crazy? And yes, Donald, this is garbage. You cannot move up the draft because of your 40th birthday. That's ridiculous. If anything... Have the
1: draft on your fortieth birthday. That's that's what that's he's doing. That's ter- and he's doing. Oh, he's, he's trying rooting. to do it exactly on the fortieth. Yes, I thought he was trying to do it.
2: No, no and he's he, doing it this he, weekend. He moved it up to have it on his birthday, and his, his
1: league mates are all mad at I, him. I see. I read it as he's moving it up so it. No, it, it it's before. No, no. okay. So um, I didn't read the email right. So he's yeah. That's Donald. You're
2: looking at this all the wrong way. Your league mates are right, but you're also looking at this the wrong way. We get to this stage in life. And there are very few occasions throughout the year where we're given basically a free pass with no responsibilities where I understand you're going to make some decisions that you wouldn't make most days of the year. Your fantasy football draft is one of those dates. Your 40th birthday is one of those dates. Don't put those (laughs) together. Now you're only getting one date. You should definitely separate them. Put the draft back where it belongs after week three, and you get two dates in one month. It's going to be a great month.
1: And when is it too early to draft? Now for sure. Yeah,
0: now. Uh like honestly we're, we're
1: doing too many. But- honestly, 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 anytime in August is too early. I you can't help it. You're gonna you're gonna go late August after the third week of the preseason is fine. But I if if I had my druthers, it would be September.
0: You know, if you're pretty good at prognosticating, then do some early drafts because I've actually had success in early drafts uh and like if I were drafting oh, yeah, for best now, ball, it's great. Yeah, uh, if I were drafting now, like Tevin Cole, I would take Tevin Coleman, and I feel like I would have a uh, an advantage over somebody drafting in three weeks, you know, something like that. But uh, you know, if you feel like you can predict the future, then drafting now is good. But it's just not as fun. It's not as fun. Uh, all right, we got we'll go long today. We got a few minutes left. Let's read some emails. Thank you for the regulators' questions. To be honest with you, wasn't the best batch of regulators' questions. Bring some spicier ones. Bring some league hatred. Bring some stuff that we could really dig into. All right. This is from Joe Joe has a feeling about Tyler Eifert this year. How do you guys feel about Tyler Eifert? Uh, if he had a good
1: opportunity to begin the season on a on a high note if he had a good schedule to begin the season, I'd be more inclined to get him. Three of the first four games for Cincinnati are on the road week ones at Seattle. I, I think Seattle has a safety that can match up with Eifert. And then then are home against San Fran at Buffalo at Pittsburgh. I don't I don't I don't like the schedule, so I can't call him a streamer that I would go with. That's a they're, fine. I like I don't like it. The, like it for the reason he is
2: they OK. like I you asked if there was one guy we weren't drafting because of injury concerns, and this is probably like the pa- the poster boy for it. He's played like four games in the last two years. It feels like um, six, I but think. he is going to start the year. I, I, those matchups aren't great. He is going to start the year without A.J. Green. There are going right. to be targets available. He may make it through two or three games without any sort of injury. I don't, like, if you're at the end of the draft, like, I can't imagine taking him instead of Jordan Reed, and Jordan Reed's always there in the 12th round when I want him. But if you're at the end of the draft and Jordan Reed's not there, he's not a terrible guy to start the season with.
0: Yeah, all right. I could take that. This is from Marty. He's a Steelers fan. Go Steelers. Oh, this is cool. My wife and I are renewing our wedding vows and decided to take a honeymoon we never had. We decided to each choose our most favorite thing to do and have two vacations in one. I'm taking her to Waco, Texas to take the Grand Chip and Joanna Gaines Fixer Upper Tour she's dreamed of. I don't know what that is. Sounds cool. Then we're flying to Pittsburgh for the Steelers home opener. I live in Washington, but I've been a Steelers fan since I was 12. I've never attended an NFL game. Just that I've never attended an NFL game. He's 42. Just lots of college games. Go Cougs. So my wife thought it would, be a, it would be great to buy us both Antonio Brown jerseys since they were a bargain. She knew oh he'd boy. been traded. Facepalm. She seemed very proud of it. I couldn't say no. So I came up with the idea to take the Brown names off the back and put just and married on the backs of the jerseys. I'm now trying to figure out if this is awesomely genius or an awful plan or awesomely awful. Hoping you can help. And, yes, I'll be buying a juju jersey the minute I get there. <laughs>
1: this feels almost like a regulators. Yeah, this is, this is regulating. <laughs> But uh, yeah. You're stuck. You're stuck with the jerseys. You made the best of it by putting just married on the back. And uh I, I think I think it'll go over well in Pittsburgh. I think the fans there will like it a lot.
2: All that really matters like you're on an anniversary trip with your wife, as long as she's happy with the situation, that's all that really matters. Right, but you don't want
1: to get booed out of the stadium you're not get wearing booed out wearing a brown jersey. <laughs> I don't think you will. It's all right. you, it's good awesome. job, Mark. It's awesome. It's good. Yeah, it's great. It sounds,
0: it sounds like, like a very, really great trip. Very fun trip. That's a fun show. That was a great show. Friday Friday nights, uh, Friday afternoon, Friday morning, whatever. It's a great day to talk football.
1: Play that song next week when we've got preseason games on Friday.
0: We had a preseason game last night. Again. What, are you kidding? All right. But it's Thursday. The uh,
1: game was on a Thursday.
0: Okay. I, Friday. Right, I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, thanks for being a buzzkill, Dave. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend quarterback preview on Monday that is awesome fantasy football is in full swing tell your friends give us a five star review and we'll talk to you on Monday see you later Dave